This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now. The TraderCobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first interview on the TraderCobb Crypto Show of 2019. I'm here with Matt Dibb, who is the CEO of Astronaut Capital. Thanks for your time today, mate. Thanks for having me, Craig, and Happy New Year. Yeah, you too, man. You too. And to all the viewers and listeners, happy new year to all of you. Um, look, mate, you, you've got a wonderful background. Uh, look, I'm not going to do it any justice. You, you've worked with some amazing companies and you've, you've had a very uh, illustrious past, shall we say. You want to just tell us about uh, your background and, and, and why you've come into blockchain? Sure, yeah. Um, look, I mean, much like yourself, I actually started in um, uh, trading. So uh, initially within foreign exchange and, and derivatives. So I was in that uh, uh, for probably about five to six years in, in Australia, um, previously working for Macquarie Bank and then a, a, a number of other brokers. So sort of trading has certainly been in my blood, particularly running more of a prop desk. Yep. Um, and, and somewhere through that, I started getting into more uh, research and analysis, looking at companies such as IPOs and small caps that were looking to come onto market and finding out, you know, sifting through and finding out the good from the bad. Mm. That became a, a full-time job for me and, and led me down another career path, which also entangled a lot of venture capital. And that I, I was doing for about four years. And through that period, I discovered the ICO in 2016, uh, which I thought was a really amazing and innovative way of financing. And there was, you know, a lot of people talk about this light bulb moment, right? During my venture capital days, we were, we were getting pitches, you know, left, right and center for different tech companies. And there was this one company out of London that had quite an interesting idea. And it was to do with basically identity and verification and stuff like that. And they were seeking to raise about half a million dollars. Now, this was in about 2016, yeah. uh, September or so. Um, and this was down that venture capital route. Now, after following them for a while, they were unable to raise that money. I thought, you know, these guys have a good idea. Um, they weren't able to get the initial seed. There were some problems that they had. But nonetheless, about four or five months later, I saw this news flash come across the screen about so-and-so, I won't tell you the company name, raises $5 million for their ICO. And I just thought, like, I stood back and I'm like, you must be kidding me. You know, these guys couldn't raise $500,000 before, yeah. but now they've come up with a bit of a spin on their product and they're integrating blockchain and they raise this money like that. And that for me, while, while I, was, I was tracking ICOs for quite some time, I bought Bitcoin early in 2013. Mm. So I, I knew about the crypto market, but I could see that this was where that concept of financing, particularly a new form of crowdfunding, was going to come from. And that, for me, was the moment to say, well, listen, we need to pay more attention to this market. This could, it could be something really bigger. It might be nothing, but we need to explore it. And from there, we actually ended up doing 
our own um, in-house research on, on these new ICOs. And at first, I was like, well, you know, there's not a lot to go on. A, a white paper is 12 pages. It's, it's you know, there, there's, there's not a lot in there. There's no marketing material. It hasn't been vetted. There's spelling mistakes everywhere. But you know what? We're going to try. Funnily enough, throughout that process, we figured out that some of these ICOs had really good ideas. And in fact, they had more information than some of the IPOs that I've seen on the Australian market and, and Hong Kong market, et cetera. So we thought we should start actually publishing some of this rather than doing all this in-house research and put it out there for, for the world to see. And that's where we created a company called Piccolo Research. And we, we launched that in early um, 2017 after a few months of doing our own research. And we, we very quickly picked up a, quite a substantial audience from that. At that time, there was not a lot of research, right? You were looking at a couple of blog posts, people with Excel spreadsheets, basically just Twitter rants on, on analysis. So we, we wanted to formalize it because, you know, coming from a, a, a background like myself, I love seeing, you know, the Goldman Sachs research for two pages or whatever. It's something that's structured and, and yeah. formal. That is how we initially got into this whole crazy ICO world. Wow. Interesting entry. Um, I mean... <laughs> You walked away from some pretty lucrative uh, positions. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know you mentioned Macquarie Bank. Uh, it's obviously in Australia. It's known as the Millionaire Maker. I have a cousin that is running a multi-billion-dollar fund over in the UK for Macquarie Bank, uh, an infrastructure fund. So I know that you know you walked away from something. You know, as your you know ma and pa might suggest that you're crazy to walk away from. So. Yeah. Were you doing piccolo research at the same time that you were working or did you walk away from the security or the job security, the, the large income, the bonuses that you had from Macquarie to set this up? So initially I was, um, I was doing it on the side. Um, and me and, and two others thought, well, there's no point just leaving everything behind. What we need to do is effectively, uh, it's like, you know, lean startup MVP. Let's figure out whether this is actually worth doing first. Yeah. And so, would get together and do our initial research. And then I think within about three to four months, we realized that this whole ecosystem, this industry, it's going to be a game changer. And we made, we, we made that decision. I forget what the catalyst was. I think we, we began investing in a lot of our own ICOs, so I research. And obviously at that point- Did very well. Extremely well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 was, it was easy money at the time. So we thought, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it now. Um, because if we keep umming and ahhing for the next six months, You'll we're miss going it. to be left behind. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it was certainly a hard decision, but you know, nothing I'd ever regret. Um, I've always wanted to go into new and innovative, different streams of work, and you know, getting into into this industry is one of the best decisions we've ever made. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I was, I was a year after you getting into the space. Uh, I was introduced to crypto in 2013, mm. uh, or to Bitcoin, I should say, in 2013, when I was trading foreign exchange and, and other other markets. And for me, I looked at it and I wasn't a tech VC uh, or yeah. anything like that, or even a tech uh, investor. So I sort of just passed it on because there wasn't the volume, there wasn't the charts, there wasn't all the things that I need to ply my trade as a yeah. trader. 2017 came along about July and I looked at it again. I had a call 
from uh, a mentor of mine. He said, look, Colby, you got to look at this. And the listeners, I know you, you'll hear this on repeat, but I'm, I'm talking to my main man here. Uh, and, and basically it got to a point where I'm like, holy Jesus, I, I, I can't ignore this any longer. And yeah. as you know, you're a trader as well, you come from a trading background, the volatility is absolutely insane. It is. Uh, so for a trader now that we've got our options for leverage, yeah. which I still, I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, risk is still the biggest part of my day-to-day, which is mm-hmm. you know, how, many, how much do I hold over here to take a trade? You know, each day I pull money out, if there's not something setting up, I pull it back send it over because I just, I'm not in the position yet where I, I trust the platforms as much as I trust the traditional platforms, especially yeah. today we've got the guarantee for, I think it's up to $250,000 and if that platform goes down because they are segregated accounts, that I can still get that amount back. So I just skim off the top. So from a trader's point of view, the risk perspective and the ease of access to orders, leverage and everything like that, it, look, there's a long way to go. Um, yeah. We all know that, but it certainly is a, a phenomenal market. So you, you, you went in primarily looking at ICOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did very well personally mm-hmm. uh, and Piccolo Research, of course, uh, mm-hmm. will be picked up and you know, you're on a hot topic at a hot time. Yes. Now, from there, you've gone on to Astronaut Capital. So what's the difference between the two and what, what are you currently working on? Sure. So effectively, we, we began trading our own funds, basically like a prop desk uh, for, for a number of months in early 2017. And we formalized that structure as an SPV. Now, from there, what we did with Piccolo Research is we, we, we discovered after you know, months and months of, of publishing these reports we asked a question to our audience and we said, guys, you know, you're looking at all of these reports day to day and we're getting, you know, great comments, great replies, everything. How many of you are actually investing in them? Mm. And we got the results back from that survey. And it turns out that only like 15% of people were actually investing in them. We said, well, why? ICOs are not easy to invest in. Do you remember back in the day in 2017, you yeah. do a transaction and you would pray to God that something that would, it gets there. That it would get there. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just gone into the abyss. And with an ICO, you just hope it comes back. Correct, yes. You just hope your tokens arrive on the date they say they will, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we, 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 we understood that it's, it's a huge learning curve to get into it. And so we decided to formalize a fund um, that would give people the opportunity to get into the same recommendations that Piccolo Research does, completely independent. And we would effectively manage that capital for them. So that's where we started Astronaut Capital. And uh, since then, we've been operating that for over a year. I think, what would it be? About 15, 16 months now. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been through all markets now. And we're, we're, we're still around. We're still going strong. We are looking at, at different structures now. Um, yeah. We've changed our investment mandate. I think, in, you know, an interesting thing about this market, a lot of other funds that we speak to, and we do speak to a lot, can be stubborn. They don't want to change their strategy. They don't yeah. want to adapt to, to what the market is showing them. And we feel that that is extremely wrong. Um, you know, for us, we're, we're leaning towards more liquid approaches to investment rather than venture capital style or private equity style. Um, and, you know, we believe that that going forward is, is certainly the best type of exposure for, for investors. Okay, so is it uh, more the mass of mum and dad investors or have you got a couple of big uh, high net worths that you work with? No, so we the, the vast majority of them would be um, considered as sophisticated investors okay. between our, our whole um, uh, management of funds. 
We have um, at the moment are securing some some other, I would say, institutional and institutional. I wouldn't use that word lightly either. Um, but we are seeing flows of funds come through now that um, are much larger than what we had seen, you know, six to nine months ago. And and a lot of people would say that they're surprised by that. I I actually I'm not. Mm. Um, I think that particularly around these price levels with volatility somewhat easing i should say we're not yeah. seeing you know as much up and down as what we were um people are getting a little bit more comfortable that we may be near a bottom and so um our spread of, of investments investors goes from everything to obviously mums and dads to sophisticated and accredited and and hopefully soon also institutional yeah well it makes sense i mean look the- one thing I talk about is, is that blockchain's not going anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. You can still invest in blockchain and lose money. There's, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Some companies don't need to use blockchain. They, they're just using that, as you quite rightly said earlier, as, as a means to raise capital and effectively without giving Absolutely. away equity in many cases, especially when they go to the crown. Uh, the space is definitely changing, but blockchain, it's here now. It, it's not going anywhere. What people need to do is they need to understand what a good use case is and, and what it's not. So I'll, I'll segue with that. Well, what sort of things are you looking for when you're looking at an investment uh, for astronaut capital and your members? Sure. So, I mean, there's obviously, there, there's a couple of ways I can put this. When we analyze a project, um, there's a few things that we look for as a pass-fail test. Um, I've always said this, but whenever you go to look at a new, let's call it an ICO. Yep. We look for red flags before anything. So yeah. the volume of ICOs that we get pitched is just insane. And so to quickly get through that, we, we don't look at what's right with the company. We look at what's wrong first so that we can just you know flick them off and move to the next. And generally within five minutes, you'll find something that's wrong. It could be the team. Um, it could be their product, their understanding of the product. Most of the time it was also their token sales structure. Yeah. Um, you know, they might be trying to keep 70% of tokens or they're not burning any leftover tokens, stuff like that. Um, so those sorts of things are what we would generally start with. And, and that would give us the ability to then move forward and say, okay, it's past sort of the gates. Now let's go into our, our more detailed due diligence, which obviously is talking with the management team, understanding their commercial strategy, understanding if they've got enough money or if they're raising too much money, which is just as much of a concern. Yep. Um, understanding the payoff in terms of their, their structure of the token sale. Um, understanding how many investors they're likely to get. People keep talking about all this money that they raise in ICOs, but if it's between 500 investors, it means there's no exit. There's no liquidity there. Correct. So we would look at these t- types of things and say, well, from a trader's point of view, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I, I certainly love the whole blockchain ecosystem and decentralization and everything, but at the end of the day, I am a finance guy. Yep. I, 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 I will look at the payoff for investors before I get too attached to a particular technology because we are in our infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we would look at those types of things to be able to, as well as we could, because valuation is extremely hard in this business, as you know, Yeah. try to come up with um, that methodology that would give us a green light to proceed with an investment if everything looked good. So that would be sort of our criteria. Well, I say it's, it's, it's quite interesting because um, the way you approach your investments is the same way I approach my trades. It's very well known that when I look at this, the charts each day, I'm not looking for a reason to take a trade. I'm looking for a reason not to. Uh, and and what is left after that, it's like, okay, well, there's no reason not to take this. So therefore I I shall take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got your set of rules. You've got your set of criteria that you stick to, you follow, you work from that, you know, of 
you know, provided results in the past. And it, it really is, it, it, it's a method of um, you, you're ticking the boxes to, to throw things out as opposed to keep things in. Exactly. It's very interesting too, because from your background uh, in finance, um, you know, I, I, I've always traded for myself. I had a little fund in London, but uh, I never really enjoyed trading other people's money. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was because, you know, traders have drawdowns. It's part of being a trader, right? It, it, yeah. just, it just happens. And my issue, and it's a personal thing, it's a, I, I attach too much emotion to somebody else's emotions, which is I will think that if we're down, they're angry, they're upset because it's their hard-earned cash, uh, whereas they might not be because we had, a, yeah. we had a wealthy family that funded us. And it, for me, people, I know guys that I knew in London when I was working in London that they're like, how do you trade your own money? I'm like, how do you yeah. trade someone else's? You know, for me, it was much you know, more comfortable. That's it's, it's funny because I've I've run different funds in the past, equities funds, and I've learned my lesson in that because emotion is the killer of every type of trade and investment. Mm-hmm. It really is. If you can detach yourself, you've got a much better chance. With cryptocurrency, since I started getting into it, I haven't let one family member or friend invest in my funds. Yeah. Okay. Now <clears> you, you can take that how you want, but the fact Not because is, you don't believe. It's no, the emotional attachment, right? You've then got this ongoing emotional attachment correct. in which you're always going to be thinking every time you see them, how's it going? Yep. You know, you're down this month. But really, you don't want to be thinking about that. You should be thinking about the charts, the investments, how you structure things, and taking that emotion out. So that is one thing that I've learned in my previous life. And now I'm adapting it to this. And I can tell you it's been so much easier. Yeah, it's amazing though, isn't it? I mean, look, we, we saw a lot of, um, a lot of I, I call it turkey flying in a hurricane, right? A lot of, uh, you know, look, my, this business, TraderCobb.com, the education side of it, all, all of us, I had no desire to do any of this, to be honest mm. with you. Uh, I came into this market, started trading, it did phenomenally well, and I was happy to just remain like that. And then a few things popped up and I'm like, there's, there's nobody that I could find at the time that was someone who had experience that mm. could come in. Everybody was doing like everyone thought they were fantastic. They had a hundred thousand, you know, Twitter followers or YouTube yeah. or whatever it might be. And that was the that was the measure of success. And I'm like, yeah. dude, listen, like just because you said buy this and it went up doesn't make you good. They all mm. went very, very quiet. Now I've got the ability because I've been trading for a long time, I, I can make money market up or down because the products yeah. to trade exist. Now, you know, I've, we had a great 2018, mostly to the short side. And what I find very interesting is that, you know, I traded the, the global financial crisis. I was in London, right? And I traded, I was short Northern Rock. And Northern Rock was the first bank to collapse, basically. It was, it was the mm. first, it was Royal, it was uh, Northern Rock. Then it was one of the other small English banks. Then we fell into Bear Stearns, then Lehman Brothers, and then the rest, the Royal Bank wow. of Scotland, the rest collapsed. And, and then look, that made me as a trader because I knew what I was doing. I had my plans. I worked into it. I made a lot of money uh, in a very short period of time. But back then in London, everyone was looking for someone to blame. And I saw the same cycle occurring uh, through crypto where people were going, Oh, you you know you're suggesting a short trade here, and you're like, ah, oh, you know you you're you're hurting the market. It's like, no, I'm trading a derivative of the underlying. I'm not hurting yeah. the market. I'm I'm trading yeah. a product that is available to me. You know, I'm yeah. not the person who's going. I've got a hundred bitcoins. I'm going to sell them into the market. I'm the person yeah. ahead of that going. I've got a derivative that I can trade of the underlying, and I believe that the charts suggest X. Mm. Um, so when I was in London during that period, I just kept my mouth shut. You just yeah. don't, you go to yeah. a barbecue or, or a dinner. Like, what do you do? 
I work markets. You don't say you don't say too much more because everyone wanted an outlet for blame, and they missed the point, which was the outlet for blame was the system. It was a yeah. failure within the system. It, 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 yeah. it was a greed that was. Yeah. There. I mean, I, I remember being in London, and I was being getting phone calls once or twice a month, maybe more, from the different banks that I bank with, offering me millions of pounds to buy a house with with the thing is with no deposit. So a hundred percent mortgage for a couple of million pounds. And I was like, I don't want to take like the, the property market's just been booming. I don't want to take on debt now. Why would I want to take on debt now? I'm like, I was twenty five years old. I'm like, I don't need two million pounds. Like mm. this is not my my place. It's different now, but it's the same. You know, mm. people are saying, Oh, this is different this time. It's never different. It's mm. always the same thing because human emotion doesn't change. Greed and fear exist. And uh, we've seen that cycle, and it's, it's interesting to speak to someone who's been, you know, in both in both markets to see the differential. But the, again, the volatility in crypto as a trader, uh, there's nothing that can really beat it. There really isn't. Um, yeah, so yeah, I agree. It, and I mean, to what you said before, I, I think a lot of ICOs have been in that position where, um, you know, you think about everybody that raised during the year thirty, forty, fifty million dollars, whatever it is, and a lot of them that have been looking to liquidate some of their treasury in the early parts were copying a lot from investors saying, so you're liquidating your ETH, you don't believe in the ecosystem, you're running away, you're putting into fiat, which is the yeah. devil. Um, without understanding that these guys need to be businesses that do have operating Correct. costs, that do have treasury. And, and I, I think as, as much as you've got your EOS that was liquidating every month, et cetera, there's a lot of ICOs out there that, really felt the pressure from um, to hold. investors to hold. And, and it wasn't just because of price actions, because they didn't want to be seen as the guys that were dumping all of yep. their Ethereum. And, and so I, can, I think we need to look at both sides of the story because that's been a very, very common um, point of discussion as of late. And, and you know, I, 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 I can feel sympathetic for some of them, I think. Yeah, but treasury management is part of running a business. I mean, is. this is here are, the, here are the two sides to that. If you want to go and raise capital from people that are not educated uh, on how to run a business and, and how to man, like, manage treasury, then sure, they're going to go. Like it's it's such a delicate seesaw. Like mm. you can go around and say, hey, look in your Telegram group because every every ask you have a Telegram group, right, and it still does. They go, right, look, we, we've we've so, yeah. Someone goes, here's the wall address. Yep, we know you've just sold off five hundred ETH. It's like, yep. We're hedging ourselves against yeah. the market. We, you know, we might have twenty thousand Ethereum. We don't want twenty thousand Ethereum. We want ten thousand Ethereum yeah. because we want to lock in a roadmap for the next four years so that yeah. we can achieve the objective set. The funny thing is, though, is that the, the companies that did that or the ICOs that did that were the bad guys, right? Yeah. And people left them, but they're the ones that are still operating today. Correct. Because Correct. you can raise twenty million back in December when we saw sort of thirteen, fourteen hundred Ethereum. Nowadays. You know, you, your runway has just shrunk by yeah. an enormous amount. You might have had 50 developers working for you at that period of time. Now you might be lucky to have 10 and yeah. four months to live. So it's, it's again, it, if you're going to raise uneducated capital, you need to be aware of what, uneducated, what uneducated, uh, uh, not just uneducated, but um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fanatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, investors are after. They, mm-hmm. Everyone is a different investor. Whereas if you had VC money, then the obvious thing would be, okay, well, prices are very overextended. They're very hyperinflated. Uh, sell the lot and sit in cash because yeah. 
then we've banked uh, you know, out of 20 million, maybe it's fallen, but maybe we're going to bank 15. Well, that's got more than enough capital for us to operate for several years to come to achieve the objective that we set out in the first place. And I think a lot of the two sides, a lot of the immaturity in the ICO market um, came out that they didn't understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I call ICOs back then, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, kind of like uh, a university project. You've got your English compartment, which is your, uh, your, your, your white paper. You've got your artistic part, which is the uh, the video. You get your presentation, which is the video and your pitch. Then you've got the website as well, and then you're going to raise. So that's yeah. your math part, which is your tokenomics. So you basically did a school project and raised thirty million dollars. Yeah, and a lot of people did that, and now they're done because they yeah. didn't have the business now's understanding of treasury management, how to operate a you know a company. For when a rainy day comes, not if, every yeah. single business has a rainy day. And if you're not squirreling away some capital for that rainy day, I mean, we might go sideways between three and 4,000 for two years. Mm. Well, that'll flush out most of the market. It doesn't mean blockchain's going away. It doesn't mean the space is under pressure or going to fade. It just means that the best will stand out. And, and that's really, I suppose, what you're looking for and myself included. So, I mean, what's your focus for now? Look, right now, um, we, our focus, at least in this market, we don't know where the bottom is. And, you know, we're not the first to say it, we're not the last. Uh, You know, we can speculate where technical support is. I respect to say that too. Yeah, I mean, we get asked all the time. Um, Fact is, as you said, this market could go nowhere for quite some time. Um, We... Right now, what we have been focusing for the last six months, I mean, we've invested in probably two ICOs in the last six to eight months, not a lot. Yeah. Um, our focus is, uh, number one, capital preservation in times like this. Okay, yep. So we're looking at hedging. We're looking at offloading assets that would get a bit of a pop um, or we're seeing a lot of volume come through. Um, and then the rest of it is really looking at existing altcoins and I should say altcoins, cryptocurrencies, anything, liquid assets um, that we're able to get into and get out of. Now, not necessarily, I'm not talking about day trading or anything like that, but I'm talking about um, coins that we can see with long-term growth, but with liquidity. Because, you know, one of the biggest issues and something that has led to a lot of the frustration of, of the past 12 months <coughs> is illiquid assets, ICOs raising and, and not listing for 12 months or, um, you know, uh, putting you into like SAFT agreements for, with lockups for two years. Um, even worse would be, uh, you know, ICOs that are raising $10, $20 million with only 300 investors with no liquidity mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of other um, funds that we speak to really hurting from that because it's tying up all of their capital. What was supposed to be a very short-term investment is now a two- to three-year horizon. Who knows if some of them will even list. Um, and we, we, we identified that that could happen very early on. The moment that people started moving towards private sale as opposed to, and more emphasis on private sale as opposed to public sale, you know, yeah. the, the, point of it, the, point, the point of an ICO is to put that token in the hands of users, right? Yeah. It's a utility token. So why, why raise $30 million and, and give, you know, utility tokens to 400 investors in private sale when it should be 30,000 people? Yep. When we saw that happen, we thought there's going to be zero liquidity um, when these things list, if they list, um, and there's going to be very little adoption of the tokens as well. You've received airdrops before, just random stuff in random wallets. You probably don't know what half of them are. 
Yeah. Now, if, if the, the, at the start of the year, a lot of these ICOs were like, look, we'll raise 80% of it in private sale, then we'll airdrop the rest. Nobody's going to know what your token does, let alone use it. Correct. You. So we, we saw that we saw that happen. And since then, we've been purely focused on investing into liquid assets. And um, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly getting offers of getting into hybrid structures, equity, tokens, token equity, everything. And we, we've stayed away from that so far. And, you know, there, there, there's a few reasons for that. Um, as, as much as I'm bullish on the ecosystem, I don't know if tokens, some of these tokens are going to be as relevant in two to three years by the time you are actually able to sell them. Yeah. Um, I think that there's serious issues still with valuation. Um, I know there's not a lot of ICOs Absolutely. raising, but equities, people that are raising in equity um, are still remembering the valuations of ICOs, you know, two, three, $400 million market caps, $50, $50 million raises. And we feel that it's too soon. We're still seeing overpriced valuations of $50 million, $60 million. They should probably be $3 million. Yes. Um, you know, look back in, you remember back, what, four years ago, three years ago, a, a seed stage company would raise $500,000 and they would just be on top of the world. Correct. Um, ICOs started and, you know, people would look at, at other ICOs and say, what, you only raised $5 million? You know, we raised thirty. It, it, it got a little bit out of hand and, and yeah. we can all look at that retrospectively. But, you know, we, we see, we, we anticipate that valuations are going to come down both in the ICO world at least for new ICOs, and as well as the um, equity uh, assets that people are offering as well. And the cream will rise to the top. ICOs are not a bad thing. It's just that the good projects will raise. The bad projects won't. The ecosystem exactly. exists. We are still, as you quite rightly said, in our infancy. And a lot of education has sort of come about from July on when everyone realized that, you know, turkeys don't fly in hurricanes forever. Uh, and it's it, it's it's really interesting to see how the ecosystem is evolving. But uh, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for your insight and perspective, uh, and and a bit of your strategy as to what you're looking to do. I really appreciate that. Where can the uh, viewers and listeners find out more about what you're doing? Sure. Thanks for having me, Craig. So, um, firstly, visit our website, uh, astronaut cap astronaut dot capital. Um, our research hub is piccoloresearch dot com. And follow us on Twitter, Astronaut Cap. Um, any questions, shoot them over to us. But uh, great chat and uh, great to speak to a fellow trader. Um, uh, big fan of your publication, so keep it going. Looking forward to 2019. Thank you very much, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Matt Dibb, the CEO of Astronaut Capital. You guys have a fantastic day. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters. This show is proudly sponsored by tradercobb.com. Visit tradercobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit tradercob.com now.